David, we were at a wedding last weekend and we didn't get to watch NFL football. So what other events are you willing to attend instead of football? Weddings. Weddings. That's it. That's it. That's it. All right. This is the Drink 5 Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Dave. Well, it's good to have standards. You know what I'm saying? Sure, I'll think about uh, developing some. <laughs> you got it. It's a recommendation, not a not a rule. I'm glad to hear that. Okay, so this is the uh, Fantasy Finish Line podcast. My name is Jason. Joined as always with me is Dave. Dave, how you doing tonight? I'm good. Are I'm you good. Are you okay? Yeah. Uh, I I am drinking something here. I have the Brickstone Brewery APA. I think this is a holdover from draft weekend a couple weeks ago, which is very nice. And you've got a two brothers over there. What, what kind of two brothers you got in front of you? Domaine DuPage. For those people Domaine who, DuPage. who are not familiar with the brewery from Warrenville, they are, uh, they are delicious. Quite delicious. <laughs> yes, they are. Two brothers rules. And uh, that's a nice French beer to go along with all the uh, French players that we're so fond of. Mm-hmm. Um, so tonight we are going to talk about a little bit of week three. Um, <clears throat> got a little bit of news. We know that uh, apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, Michael, Michael, Melvin Gordon. Michael Gordon. Michael Gordon. No, Michael Jordan, maybe. <laughs> My, Melvin Gordon's holdout is supposed to end soon, uh, but that will not mean his return this week. So it is not imminent that he is going to be, you know, fantasy relevant. However, him being back is always good news for the people who decided to draft him and hold on to him. And it's bad news for all of you who've been leaning on Austin Eckler very heavily um, because that is not going to work out for you for much longer. So they do play the Dolphins this week, which is effing awesome for those guys. Um, you know, bye-bye Dolphins, way to go Chargers. Although, you know, the Chargers have to go from the West Coast to the East. So maybe this will be the one game that the Dolphins can win, right, Dave? Or is that going to be like a Jets game? I don't think they're going to win any games, Jason. Oh, 0-16, he says. I mean, they're. I feel like they're... I don't even think that qualifies as a bold prediction. I feel like they're <laughs> I feel like they're the worst team maybe that's ever played at least in the past 10 years or so. Um so the worst team by record is the Detroit Lions from a little while ago. So I don't remember if I don't remember much about that team. They're eminently forgettable, which I suppose is a uh standard quality for any O and 16 team. Um so you know, there are a few other Ofer teams, so I guess Miami's not alone, but I suspect that they will uh, continue the streak for some time to come. Beautiful. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, like I said about Melvin Gordon, uh, look for him to possibly be back next week. <clears throat> but, of course, it, the whole lot may end this week. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, don't count your chickens before they've hatched, as they like to say. Um 
So anyways, we can dive right into it today. Uh, just so you all know, uh, there are several columns on the um, on the website every week. Uh, we've got the Rookie Report. We've got stuff about uh, confidence picks and some betting advice. Dave likes to inform everybody about the injuries. And, of course, he's got his rankings, which are probably the best thing on the site because it is the most useful uh, piece of information. Many pieces of information, really. Well, thank you. But yeah. I, I have a column uh, that I really enjoy. Which economists say is statistically insignificant. That's right. So um, we've got uh, the rookie uh, quarterbacks, rookie and backup quarterbacks, because they're not all rookies, I suppose, that are playing. Um, so I wrote about them in my column this week. Uh, they were one of my five entries. So I, I've noticed that perhaps the era of the old quarterbacks is coming to an end hopefully that includes tom brady at some point but not just yet but we you know we talked about last week uh ben roethlisberger drew Brees going down stuff like that well you say perhaps i mean of course it, it is ending and it has to end because you've got you've got drew Brees and tom brady and 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 all these people that are either approaching 40 or over 40 yeah um it has to end eventually they can't all be drinking tom brady's elixir of life you know, forever. Well, right? the 2003 uh, quarterback draft class included uh, Roethlisberger, Eli, who is now on the bench as well, and then Philip Rivers, who is alive and well and, you know, procreating and throwing footballs. He's fine. Um, is he still procreating? I don't imagine that he's planning on stopping. <laughs> you know, when you're at nine, why do you? Why would you stop? You're right. Um, so, of Go all, for 10. So, <laughs> go for 12. Fuck it. <laughs> Baker's dozen, 13. Um, so we had Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, Kyler Murray, Luke Falk, Josh Rosen, Mason Rudolph, all start this week. And you could kind of throw Jacoby Brissett in there um, because he was a backup until uh, you know week three of the preseason when Andrew Luck retired. Um, but you've got at least eight guys, and they all went four and four. If you include Brissett, they went five and four this week. Um, we are also likely to see Dwayne Haskins anytime now. We'll get into him a little bit later um, when we talk about the injuries. Spoiler alert: Case Keenum uh, has hurt, you know, damaged his pride turning the ball over six times last week. Um, and we do know that Falk, uh, Luke Falk, will probably go back to the bench next week when Sam Darnold returns from his mononucleosis. I hope so because Luke Falk was uh, probably the worst of of everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a tough one to not, not even that, remember. I definitely had to look him up. Not an entertaining uh, uh, performance for Luke Falk. So I do think that most of these guys are probably going to end up starting most of the season. Obviously, Daniel Jones is the most recent replacement. He was um, you know put in for a bad Eli Manning, and he had a great game. Uh, two touchdowns on the ground, two touchdowns in the air. Over 300 yards. I don't think a rookie quarterback has ever really done that. Um, and then Kyle Allen basically one-upped him. He threw four touchdowns, and he also won the game. Well, they and all, that one's been a little quiet because he's in Carolina. They all have different New stories, York. right? So uh, whereas Gardner Minshew was just drafted, then Kyle, Kyle Allen was actually on the team. Yeah, he was drafted, I think, last year, right? Because he started week 17. Yeah, they, they drafted Will Greer, but decided that he wasn't uh, up for it, didn't know the system as much, etc., yeah. which makes sense. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who also has been a quarterback for quite a while uh, with, with uh, little to no success. But mediocrity does not mean that you won't be the starter of the New Orleans Saints. 
Oh, that's true. So great stat about Kyle Allen, which I am 100% stealing from the uh, Ringer Fantasy Show. Um, but it is a stat. They don't own it. Um, so in the last six regular season games that the Panthers have had, they have six passing touchdowns. Camp Newton has zero of them. Kyle Allen has six of them. So that's just very interesting. It's pretty clear, though, that uh, Cam Newton was playing injured for who knows how long. And um, I I do think that if Kyle Allen continues to play well, they will probably shut down Cam Newton for the season. In my opinion, that would be a good idea because um, he's not healthy and he probably needs a lot of time to recover. If his foot is hurt and his shoulder is hurt, like you can't. You can't just force him back in a couple weeks. Regardless of, of Kyler Murray's prowess under center, they might have to shut down Cam Newton anyway because all of the Kyle chatter. Uh, what did I say? Kyle Newton? You said Kyler Murray. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. That's okay. <laughs> no problem. Uh, regardless of how good Kyle Allen's doing, Cam Newton might be shut down anyway because uh, the whispers everywhere, not even whispers, now they're just chatter, is that he has a Liz Frank injury in his uh, foot, and that would mean that he would be out for the season. Yeah, so um, Minshew... That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, Minshew, he's my number one boy. He is playing very well, and um, I look for him to sort of steal that spot from Nick Foles. Um, That's my prediction for the rest of the season on him anyways. Uh, You got Teddy Bridgewater. He will um, be a serviceable replacement, but as soon as Drew Brees can grip and throw a ball again, Bridgewater's back on the bench, almost for sure. There's no reason to keep... uh, Drew Brees off the field for any longer than they need to. I, I don't even know if he'll be a serviceable replacement. I still think that uh, if Drew Brees is out for a little while, that there's going to be a, a big controversy between uh, Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. That would be fun to watch, I think. It'll be frustrating from a fantasy standpoint, um, but you know these things are fun to watch as spectators. Hell, uh, I love it. So you got Kyler Murray, rookie quarterback, who is definitely going to be there for the whole season. Uh, they're in for the long haul. Like we said earlier, Luke Falk, he's going to be out. Then you've got Josh Rosen. He was in for Fitz, uh, Larry, Larry uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he is probably, I don't know, I, I have no read on what the hell Miami is going to do. Um, they, they can start either quarterback and lose equally well. They don't They don't care about this season. That's true. And then Mason Rudolph, because <laughs> Roethlisberger is done for the year, Mason Rudolph will be starting the whole season. He's, um, you know... I guess I'd rather have him over Teddy Bridgewater at this point, but I, you know, I, I think that you know Jones, Minshew, and Allen are the three guys here who have really shown that they can um, be exciting and look like actual NFL quarterbacks that are ready to play right now. Um, but you know, Jones and Allen have only had one game so far, so let's you know temper our expectations as we always say with rookies. Well, I, I think the, the what you said is correct. Plus, there's also the fact that. Uh, um, as as we say almost every single season, if people are playing that don't really have a history that the teams can't cover, then you don't really know who they are until we give them, let's see, you know, uh, two or three games with the offense. Yeah, and Jones played against Tampa Bay. You know, nobody's impressed with Tampa Bay. However, he gets Washington again. So it's another, you know, we won't know what we have out of Daniel Jones, but he should do well against Washington because they have a terrible defense. Um, so, you know, Kyler Murray, I don't know what to think there. He got sacked eight times. His defense isn't very good. He doesn't have a great offensive line. That's, you know, 
it's a terrible combination for a rookie quarterback. I think he's just going to kind of take his licks and be bad statistically this season. Um, but he he has a lot of talent, and he's shown great flashes of you know you know of being a real quarterback. And I, I don't think that his size is going to hold him back very much. I think that his team is what's holding him back. Not that you know anyone really brought up the size lately, um, but that's always been the biggest knock on him. So you drafted Kyler Murray in Dynasty, Dave. Um, I, I'm sure that you're content with just waiting for him to develop, right? We, we've played fantasy football for a long time, and generally rookie quarterbacks don't start off and and have uh, a floor of 16 or 17 points. And that's what I'm seeing with Kyler already is that you know uh, he's going to score between 16 and 20 every game. And so there's certainly nothing bad about that, but he hasn't catapulted to something amazing like RG3's start or like some of the things that we've seen from Gardner Minshew or the first game from Daniel Jones. Well, fantasy-wise, Kyler Murray is actually probably better than Minshew. It's just that Minshew um, feels like he's a more put-together quarterback and feels like he's more apt to lead the team to wins. I, what I'm saying is I, I, I totally am happy with what Kyler, Kyler Murray has done. And when you look at the Cardinals, a lot of people might say, well, he's not leading them to victories. And most of that has to do with how horrible the defense he is. He led them to a tie. <laughs> so <laughs> That's I, something. I, I mean, he's thrown for a lot of yards. I'm pretty sure that if you were to extrapolate that information um, going forward to 16 games, that it would break records of any quarterback that's been a rookie. But we don't like doing that. You don't want to extrapolate three games into 16. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, uh, Dave, that's exactly what I like doing. He would have 4,427 yards. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a great season, for it's, sure. It's probably the most that a rookie's ever had. Um, I can't imagine a rookie's thrown for more than 4,400 yards as a quarterback. You're going to check it out, though. I can Google <laughs> quickly. Um. But but I do I do like him. I like the offense. I like that they uh, are getting the ball out quickly and, and trying to run an offense that people are not uh, aware of or understand how to defend. And so I think we'll see more and more from them as the season progresses. But even if things don't live up to expectations as a number one draft pick, he'll still end up being the quarterback there, barring any major injuries or scandals, for the next four years. Uh, and he will at least be in like you know your your top fifteen. Uh, in general, a uh, quarterback one or two in fantasy. So the you're 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 absolutely right, Dave. Nobody, no quarterback has gotten 4,400 yards in a rookie season. Andrew Luck has the record in 2012. He threw 4,374. That's uh, pretty close, though. <laughs> yeah, very close, very freaking close. But I just mean that the, his current uh, because they're running so many plays, because he passes so many times, um, and he's gotten several long plays each game that it's it's on pace to be something that hasn't happened. But when we look at um, the league right now as compared to what it was 10, 15 years ago, quarterbacks are all throwing for more yards. The quarterbacks are throwing for more passing touchdowns. It's, it's just what's going on in the NFL. Yeah, Murray's got uh, four touchdowns against three interceptions. So, you know, when you're a rookie, if you have a one-to-one ratio, that's not terrible. That's like what Peyton Manning had in his rookie season. So, you know, there, there's hope there. You just hope that his team can keep him upright a bit more uh, and that they can, you know, keep opposing teams from scoring so many damn points. So, uh, the quarterbacks, I, I don't know. That's about all I've got on the quarterbacks right now. Uh, we'll obviously touch on some of these guys later when we talk about matchups or perhaps um, guys who've been injured. Do you have- Not at this point, sir. Mm-hmm. 
remember every week we have a musical theme and if you can detect the theme and you figure it out and you let us know either through email or direct message or find some sort of creative smoke signal for us to get let us know what the theme was and uh you may win a prize some drink five swag you never know yeah please send a smoke signal sure i mean just let us you might need to let us know that the smoke signal is coming i don't know and in that case you just can tell us what it is instead of smoke signaling just be safe if you're going to use a smoke signal do it outside (laughs) i i think it's that's fantastic idea all right so another one of the features of our site is that we get occasional player profiles and our staff writer mike Masarino. Uh, did a profile on Dawson Knox, who I saw in all the pickups today, and because we didn't watch much football over on Sunday, I had no idea who this guy was. So thank you, Mike, for uh, letting us know who Dawson Knox is. Well, let's talk first of all about uh, Tyler Croft, who was the incumbent tight end starter for the Buffalo Bills and has been a, a, a pretty good athlete and a guy that the Bills and the Bills fans have really been looking forward to playing, but he hasn't because he's been injured in almost all of the seasons that, that he's been uh, playing in. And he was just about to start last week, but then uh, had another injury and setback. So he may be uh, uh, getting healthy in week five. I'm not sure when the Bills bye week is. But he's probably not going to play this week. And that's why Dawson Knox was such a good pickup, because he did pretty well last week. Do you want to do you want to go into some details about what uh, Mike has written here? Yeah, so um, the Mike's goal here was to go over some tight ends that are not owned in many leagues. Um, so his uh, first guy that he wants to tell you on is Dawson Knox. So um, he caught his first touchdown in week three for the Bills. He had a long catch and run, a uh, 45-yard catch, which was a great uh, sort of trucking catch, as they say. And it reminded me of, like, if I were to play football with my little cousins who are, like, you know, half my size, and you just push them over as you're going down the field. Like, they can catch you because they're faster than you, but they can't knock you down. <laughs> and that's what Dawson Knox reminded me of. They needed, like, three guys to knock this guy out of the – out of bounds when he was uh, running down the field. So he is six foot four, two fifty four. Um, he used to be a quarterback, turned tight end. But then again, most NFL players played a very high skill possession before they settled into whatever sort of thing they had. Um, he went to Ole Miss, so we'll have to quiz Sean on that later. Um, he didn't catch any touchdowns at Ole Miss, but he had eighteen point nine yards per catch, which is absurd for a tight end. Um, so he was on the same team as AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. Is that right, Dave? We need Sean for this, clearly. I think that's right. <laughs> so um, Buffalo did trade up in the third round to get him. So obviously anytime a team trades up for a player, they like him, whether they're right or wrong. Uh, they do like him. So he's only 22. Uh, he is a rookie, as we said. He saw a 63% snap share in week three. Um, so what Mike thinks. So um, they're going to have a uh, – they, they've had an easy schedule so far. The Bills have. They played the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals. So they are 3-0, and which, you know, give them credit. They're 3-0. and they, You have to win the games, even if they are against bad opponents. Um, so they don't have a huge group of wide receivers, especially ones that are not red zone targets. So uh, John Brown, he looks good. He's only 5'11", though, so he's not a huge red zone target. I really like – John Brown, this is my personal note here. Um, I, I think that John Brown is going to develop into a great just all-around receiver. He's been running a lot of routes this year. He has a 78.3 catch rate, 
78.3% of all the targets going to him, he's catching. Uh, He has 13.6 yards per catch. He's on pace this year for 96 receptions. So I I really like John Brown as an all-around receiver in this offense. Um, But again, he is not the red zone guy that they need. Uh, That is definitely going to have to be Dawson Knox. Cole Beasley, he's a slot receiver. Uh, he's only five foot eight, so that's not going to work in the red zone either. And then you got Zay Jones, who's six foot two, um, but he is not good at catching the ball, right, Dave? Am I wrong there? Like Zay Jones, if he was if he was better, he would be <laughs> he would be fantasy relevant every week. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably. I I I think that they're they're. They're desperately looking for for another person for Josh Allen to toss the ball to, and definitely someone who he can kick it off to. And that's that's why we're talking about the tight end here on the Bills. Uh, somebody like Croft, and Croft's not available. Someone like Knox, maybe Knox is the guy uh, that we can expect to get fifty to sixty yards per week. And there's no reason why he he might not be able to take the job away from a guy like Croft because Croft can't stay healthy. And in this um, in this atmosphere of tight ends that aren't performing up to snuff uh, and guys that are just not being consistent week to week, I think it's, it's good of us to, uh, to, to bring out someone like Knox that definitely could step up to be a top 15 tight end. And with a young quarterback like this, you never know who they're going to latch on to. It could be someone like Knox right away. You know, it, it starts working, they just keep doing it. Well, there's a lot of people that have tight end premium leagues as well, and I'm in one of those, and we play two tight ends per week. So that's pretty difficult. I don't know if you know this or not, but you know when fantasy football first started, they only had receivers. So if you wanted to play a tight end, you just played them in the receiver slot. As a receiver. There wasn't a tight end slot. Uh, And when they added that, it's mostly because there were so many tight ends out there that were getting a lot of passes and work. And now there's not again. I mean, it's... (laughs) It's it's up in the air, right? But I'm thinking maybe we should think about going back to the whole receiver thing. But they are receivers. I mean, they're just bigger receivers that also block. They yeah, they just line up on a different part of the field sometimes. So if you're in a 12 team league, make sure you get a good tight end or two, uh, as you guys all know. Because if you don't get one of the good ones, you're going to be searching the entire season for someone who scores more than five or six points per week. Yeah, that can be really rough when you are stuck with uh, Gerald Everett or it's, someone like that. And even guys like that, they're, you know, they a lot of uh, experts or websites will be like, Gerald Everett's going to be the breakout candidate for week three. Like, it's never going to happen. These, these, <laughs> That's true. And, and we're doing the same thing here with Dawson, but it's important that, that people uh, bring these, uh, these targets, these tight ends, to the attention of fantasy football team managers because it's hard to find them. It's hard to find these guys uh, on a week-to-week basis. And a lot of people are out there streaming tight ends because there's nothing else to do if you don't have Travis Kelsey, you know? Yeah, I mean, hopefully you hit on Darren Waller or something like that during the draft. That's right. Because we were talking him up, especially Tad, our resident Raiders fan. That's true. Uh, So the Bills have, um, you know, been focusing on their run game so far. Devin Singletary's been playing very well. Frank Gore is the ageless one, um, the undying Frank Gore. And then you've got Josh Allen, who runs the ball a lot. So they are going to keep the ball on the ground. I know that the Patriots always like to take away the biggest weapon on a team. I assume that that is going to be Josh Allen this week. Um, so perhaps Dawson Knox has the opportunity to get loose in the secondary or something like that. Um, so we'll see. Um, but, you know, if he's got good hands, he's going to keep getting thrown the ball. Um, and I think that as long as he can block and pick up, you know, pick up blocks, if, if he's lining up, 
on the end of the offensive line. He needs to be able to read the blitz, stuff like that. If he can do that, then he's going to be able to stay on the field, and that is the most important thing when it comes to you know guys like a tight end when you're looking at just a streaming option. You don't want a guy who gets a 20-snap share and has targeted twice and you know you never had a chance in the first place. So at least uh, with a guy like Knox, he may wind up being on the field most of the time. You know that's the that's the first step towards being a respectable fantasy player. Time to say goodbye to some injured players. Sounds like a sad song, Jason. It's called Broke Down Palace. This would work when I uh, do like the injury theme. <laughs> so, speaking of injuries, let's run through some of the skill position players that are not going to be with us or may or may not, which is important, especially in the days approaching uh, this coming weekend and the game tomorrow on Thursday. Looking at quarterbacks, I only have one mentioned. There are, of course, a lot of quarterbacks that have been injured over the past couple of weeks, but I'm not going to include all of those guys that have had uh, ongoing injury concerns. We are going to talk about some of those guys. We've already talked about some, and we'll continue to uh, when we talk about matchups and some of the players to cut later on. But right now, I think the only one that was super important was Case Keenum, which is interesting uh, because Case Keenum is the guy throwing to Terry McLaurin, who's a guy who's starting Scary on... Scary Terry, bitch! Who's starting on almost every uh, uh, team that has him, because he scored a touchdown in every game so far, and it doesn't seem like he's going to slow down. But there's a possibility that maybe that doesn't go so well if the quarterback changes up. Maybe it goes better. Uh, basically, what occurred is that... Keenum is not practicing right now. He's in a walking boot for precautionary measures. Expectation as of now is that he will play still, but that's questionable. And it's almost always the initial expectation when a player is injured that they will still come out of it okay. I tend to think it's more 50-50 or even less than, especially in a... This reminds me a lot of Cam Newton's progression a few weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, if you have a foot injury and you're a quarterback and it's it's not doing very well, it's not likely that you're going to just keep playing throughout the season. Right. Although the coach did say that Case is our quarterback, very Lovey Smith fashion. Oh, I think what he's referring to is that, that even if they put someone else in, that they would still come back to him. Come back, yeah, because that's worked so far. Well, whether or not Dwayne Haskins, who's 2% owned in uh, Yahoo Leagues, and when I mention that, it's going to be Yahoo Leagues, ends up making his first NFL start. Keenum is banged up and coming off worst game of the season. He had two fumbles and five forced turnovers total from the Bears. So it's a little tough uh, looking. You know, some storms are developing over Washington. They have been for quite a while. But the fans want to see... We don't want to talk about politics here. The fans want to see Haskins... Um, I, again, I, I talked uh, to you about this over dinner. I wouldn't be surprised if, for whatever reason, Coach puts in Colt McCoy 
<laughs> instead of Haskins because he's, can we just get Alex Smith back, please? He's been very well. He's never going to play another snap in the NFL. Yeah, I know. Because did he get his leg reattached yet? I don't know. Because he's very stubborn about holding uh, Haskins out for as long as possible, and I understand that. I mean, Haskins only really started for one year in college, um, etc. He did so well, but he obviously needs more work. Speaking of Haskins in college, his one of his receivers was Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, have a little bit of a built-in thing there. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, I I think that a lot of people are looking forward to that. And if you look at the Redskins subreddit or the beat reporters that are the beat reporters that are uh, talking about the team, etc., they're all very much into. Haskins starting, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Looking at running backs, we have LaShawn McCoy, who has an ankle injury, and Damian Williams, who has a knee injury. So, uh, is it Daryl or Darrell? It's Daryl, right? Uh, you don't know. I don't know. Well, we'll just go with Daryl. <laughs> uh, Daryl Williams, 109 total yards last week, led the Chiefs' backfield in touches. And McCoy was still out there, and he was productive. He had 80 total yards, 38% of the snaps, two touchdowns. So they were using him as the as the goal line guy. He had 80 total yards. He was getting um, he was getting some production. But the information to know for now is that Williams, who's 40% owned, is in front of Darwin Thompson. And at the beginning of the season, a lot of people thought that Darwin would be the guy. I think Kansas City they just kind of layered running backs because they weren't sure about Damian Williams. They they weren't sure about what the situation would be with their with their backups and the people that they had on the practice squad. So they drafted some guys. They uh, they they pulled some guys in. Obviously, the Sean McCoy from Buffalo, etc. And they're just trying to make do with what they have. This conglomerate of backs. So the big waiver wire pickup obviously was Williams this week, um, or one of. And with all of the big injury concerns with Damian Williams. Who's still not practicing, by the way, and he doesn't figure to suit up until until week four. I'm sorry, in week four. Then Lashawn McCoy tweaked his injured ankle in that game, so he didn't actually touch the ball in the fourth quarter. He tweaked his ankle and then went out. He's, yeah, that's right. Didn't uh, Darwin Thompson have the most snaps in the running backs? No, as I just mentioned, it was Williams. Oh, it was Williams. And, and Dude, so they've, uh, I get them all. They all have names that start with D. <laughs> it does not help me. The the concept here is that Williams is clearly the guy that the coach wants to be the running back if LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams are not available. And the interesting thing about this is that uh, LaShawn McCoy has been limited. He's tweaked uh, his ankle. Damian Williams is still not looking healthy. And again. He, uh, we talked about him uh, at length previously and before the draft. There's a guy who's never had more than 50 rushes in a season. So I never expected him to be healthy the whole season, yes, e- even yes. though people drafted him in like the second round. You definitely, he had a great end to last year, which is what warranted that, you know. So what I suggest is that you keep an eye on um, who practices, especially on Friday. If guys get in a practice on Friday, they're much more likely to play. If they sit on Friday, they're almost certainly going to be out. But but what really matters is that Williams is going to play, and he's going to score points and be fantasy productive. Darrell Williams or Daryl. Yes. But not Damian. Damian's out and right. is not expected to play or uh, even practice this week. 
Correct. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to pick him up, well, he's only owned in 40% of leagues, which means a lot of you guys are sleeping on the guy, which is ridiculous. Because Wake up. McCoy is old and Williams is not healthy. McCoy had two touchdowns last week, though. It it doesn't matter. If he keeps tweaking his ankle and he's old and he goes back to his old uh, yards per carry, it's going to be Williams. So LaShawn McCoy is a guy who in previous years, and he's older now, but uh, I always remember him having like catastrophic-looking injuries in like the second quarter, and then he's back after halftime. Um, you know, he was limping going into the stadium last week and then he still had a bunch of goal line work and, you know, put up like 80 yards and two touchdowns. So I don't know what to expect. Like I said, my best barometer is whether or not they practice on Friday. If they practice like Thursday, Friday, that's even a better sign. But if they can make it through a whole practice on Friday, that's usually a good sign that they're probably going to play. My, my point is it doesn't matter if McCoy plays or not. Effective. Williams is still going to split the carries with McCoy. Oh, definitely. But on a team like this, there's enough to go around. Yeah, and and so the the concept is pick up McCoy. Why is he only forty percent owned? It doesn't make sense. Oh, McCoy is only f- uh, no. I'm uh, sorry, Williams. Yeah, Daryl Williams. We need to move on from this team. Yes, can we please go to a team with less confusing names? So, Devin Singletary, who has a hamstring injury. Uh, there's a website called Buffalo Rumblings that I was looking at earlier today. Singletary is owned seventy eight percent of Yahoo leagues. He's not practicing uh, after suffering that hamstring injury in week two. And Buffalo Rumblings was saying that uh, it doesn't look like he's going to practice this week either. That will leave Frank Gore, who's only 57% owned, to continue as the unchallenged starter there. So week three, Gore put up 76 yards on 14 rushes and a touchdown. He'll likely get the same kind of numbers every single time he plays. I know he's going up against New England. It probably just means he'll have more passes in the backfield and less rushes. Maybe he's like New England's kryptonite. Let's find out. Well, the, the, again, the, the point here being Gore is still going to start. I hear a lot of people having running back problems. And, and look at these guys right here. Uh, Williams and Gore are, are still less than 60% owned in league. So he averages on his career basically what he got last week. Against New England. So his average is 13.8 carries and 70 yards against New England. But he has zero touchdowns against New England. So maybe he gets off the schneid. (laughs) Uh, Ido Smith has a concussion. Smith is owned in 15% of leagues. He was starting to do some good things out there. And a lot of it had to do with Devonta Freeman underperforming. But we're finally able to look at trends because we have three weeks here which is fantastic for me because one of my favorite things to do is look at those trends and try to determine if there's something we can garner from them if you look at this one for example uh this over the past three weeks you have freeman going from 8 to 11 to 16 carries putting up 88 yards on 16 rushes uh and three receptions last week so it's a great sign for freeman it's not super explosive but we know that he is not um a a guy that that necessarily is going to explode into fireworks. What we're looking for from Devontae Freeman is a guy who's going to get close to 100 yards and a touchdown. He has not scored a touchdown yet. So I'm I'm looking for this breakout. Explode into fireworks. Atlanta really do it. does have the pieces here to be a good team. And everybody knows that because it happens every year. But some years they just decide to bomb, you know? <laughs> I, I, but the th- good thing about Edo Smith being out, uh, especially for this week, is that I, I feel like Devontae Freeman is going to be a really, really good play. So Devontae Freeman, they play the Titans this week. Um, his only one game against them was four years ago, so it's pretty much irrelevant. 
I, I honestly don't put a lot of stock in those uh, statistics anyway because the defense has changed so much. You know? Sure, if it's a division opponent, it matters a lot more. Yeah, I guess. But when it's an opposite conference, yeah, his last he had a good game, 25 carries for 116 yards, but it was in 2015. Everybody was different back in 2015. <laughs> uh, Rashad Penny has a hamstring injury. Penny is 60% owned. He injured his hamstring during the walkthrough before the game last week. Word from Pete Carroll's that he should be okay to practice on Thursday, but I've been hearing things from uh, from again from beat reporters from uh, some of these guys from ESPN that talk to the players that his injury might be worse than the people are letting on that it might take longer. The funny thing about Seattle right now is that Chris Carson has lost three fumbles this year, but before that he was known as one of those guys that never ever loses fumbles and. It doesn't really matter if we take Pete Carroll at his word. I'm pretty sure Pete Carroll has been a forthcoming coach uh, in Pete general. Pete Carroll got Marsha brady in the last game, dude. Did you see that? <laughs> no, I don't know what you mean. He got hit in the face with a football and like get a huge hit a big bandage over his nose and stuff. Yikes! I've never seen the Brady Bunch, so she got. Oh, there's a famous episode where she gets hit in the face with a football and like she can't go to prom or some shit like that. Marsha Brady, right? Yeah, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Dude, you're dating yourself like way before you were even born. I didn't have cable growing up. We had to watch bad television. <laughs> so Carol has said over and over again that they're going to really show you what it means to count on the running back. They're going to show you what it means to, to be loyal to someone. I personally don't think that Chris Carson is just suddenly going to fumble the ball every game. It sucks for him that he's had three fumbles over the past three weeks. He has three fumbles in his career going into this year. <laughs> so I think we'll be all right. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to mention is that CJ Prosize uh, had a couple passes last week. He's 1% owned. He's also a running back on Seattle Seahawks. All right, moving on to Saquon Barkley. <laughs> That's a thing. Well, here's the thing. A, a lot of people think that Rashad Penny is going to start taking the carries away from Chris Carson, and I think that's just a ridiculous thing because Rashad Penny has been has been seen time and time again to not be as good. I concur. Uh, so I think it's... Procise isn't that guy either. Well, that's the point. There's no one there. Which they have is, one good uh, running back, and he has a little bit of a fumbling problem. Those things are solved. You make the guy carry the ball all week, and everybody tries to knock it out of his hands, and after getting sick of it for a week or two, he figures out how to hold on to the ball. 100%. There you go. That's that's. that's and his. so now, everyone who's been listening to us has been screaming into their computer, why haven't you talked about the big guy who got hurt? Yeah, so let's let's touch on Saquon Barkley. So he has a high ankle sprain which is, is really big news for team managers that own him because in most leagues, he ended up going, let's say, one or two overall. Yes. And every year you have one of those guys that goes down, one of those top picks. This year it's Saquon. There could be more, but right now it's it's just Saquon Barkley. And he's getting a second opinion on the ankle. Of course he does. He'll probably get a third and fourth opinion, but they're all probably going to say all gonna tell him the same thing. high ankle sprain. Yeah. And the problem with the high ankle sprain is that uh, – the, the doctors uh, that I've seen have said four to eight weeks. And even though it, it would heal enough for him to actually come back into the fold, you're not normal and you're not able to put all of your weight on it and cut like you did before for months. And so even if he does come back, I don't think that he'll be back 100% as himself for the entire rest of the fantasy season. I think people that are just going to wait for him to come back and plug him into lineups. I mean, sure, maybe he'll get three quarters of the points he usually gets, but he's not going to be Saquon Barkley this year. That's all there is to it. And if he's 100%, it's not going to be until after the regular season of the fantasy football ends. Yeah. 
because of that, there's uh, opportunities on this team that we may be able to find someone that will score fantasy points. But they're going to come from people that no one else wants or that have been laying in wait um, as the slightly less talented version of, uh, of a running back. In this case, Wayne Gallman, who's 71% owned now because he was probably the top waiver wire pick after Saquon went down this past week, or from elsewhere, like Kenyon Drake, who's 58% owned in Miami, and they're trading away everyone. Uh, Jay Ajayi, who is just coming back, uh, 2% owned. People have already started to pick him up because they think he's going to be dra- or, uh, uh, picked up by the Giants. Uh, CJ Anderson, who's also just uh, coming back and getting healthy, could be another one who we've seen you know, come back from the dead and do really well for the Rams. There's no reason why he couldn't do it for the Giants. And Spencer Ware who is also just coming back from, uh, I think, being on uh, on Pup or, or something like that. He from... was a Pup, and then he, on I want to say Indy, but he got cut a week or two ago. So all those guys could be brought in. I think the most likely is probably an Ajayi or a C.J. Anderson. Uh, I think it's possible that Kenyon Drake gets traded because Miami just wants to get rid of all of their assets. Fire sale. I don't think it's that likely that Spencer Ware gets picked up, but it's possible because he's available and he's a free agent. Um, in the meantime, there is Wayne Gallman. He will get opportunities, but if you look at his statistics, he's never averaged more than 4.3 yards per rush. He's never scored more than one touchdown in a season. All he really did in the past was uh, play that third down pass catching back role uh, when it was necessary because they didn't have enough running back depth. Yeah, his only decent game, I was looking at his stats the other day, was during a Week 17 game. So th- that's usually garbage. You know, what's the opposite of preseason? It's it's not postseason because that's actually good. But Well, what do people love to do? What, what do fantasy team owners love to do? They love to go uh, flock and pick up a guy as soon as someone goes down. But as most of us know, the guy that fills in for the guy who went down is usually not that good. Right. And so I would be much more obliged uh, or inclined, rather, to think that uh, they're going to bring someone else in, if, if only – to do some short yarded stuff, uh, to build some kind of a committee because they don't have uh, an every down back on their team right now. But if they were to get a CJ Anderson or a Jay Ajayi or a Kenyon Drake, maybe that that guy actually could become a running back one or two on that team. Much obliged. So, so what do you think uh, out of out of those guys? For example, if you were on a deep rostered uh, team. Would you be interested in knowing what you know now and knowing what you know about those players, picking one of them up in as a speculative move? I suppose I would put C.J. Anderson on the top of that list. Not that I'm, um, not that I'm very high on them. I actually because of well, Drake's poor, already owned sixty percent of leagues. I understand. I, I mean, and Drake is on another team. Yeah, the rest of the guys are free agents. Right. Discounting Drake, I think Drake would probably be the best fit here, um, but discounting him. I, I like Anderson the best, I suppose. Although, you know, full disclosure, I have some bad running back depth on a few teams, so I'll be starting Wayne Gallman because I'm losing Matt Breda in a couple leagues because of the bye. Well, he's going to play. I just think that... And his, it's against Washington. That's a great matchup. I just think that he's going to be disappointing to, oh, to people that are that are picking him up with, like, you know, $30... Fully prepared to be disappointed. ...budgets or... or I don't believe I spent that much on him, thankfully. <laughs> but maybe 20 I dropped. Gotcha. Because, you know, it's early in the season. You don't want to get too far behind. But maybe we both agree that uh, that Gallman will score points, but not a lot. He's just not that guy, and that they're probably going to pick someone else up. Yeah, well, didn't they sign Fozzie Whitaker? 
Yeah, that's not a that's not a thing. <laughs> that's like we we want Orleans Darkwa back. You know, <laughs> I think they're going to sign an actual running back. Great deep cut, Dave. Although now we we think about this and and like Giants, uh, are you're prepared to make like a splash and run for the playoffs? No. Maybe they don't want to spend money because they know that they... Uh, they should trade back for Odell Beckham Jr. They're still not... They should just sign Antonio Brown, huh? No. No <laughs> one should sign Antonio Brown. We'll talk about Forget him Forget Antonio Brown. Let's not. Can we please not talk about Antonio Brown? Can you promise me that we won't talk about Antonio Brown later? I can't. I can't promise that. <sighs> <laughs> Whoops. And uh, segueing right into our wide receivers that are injured list. The running backs, by the way, uh, they are injured the most always. And so <laughs> the fact that the past couple of weeks we've had more quarterbacks to talk about than running backs is an oddity. That's yeah. an oddity. Yeah. Usually it's the, the giant running back list. So I only have three guys to talk about that are wide receivers. There are a couple other ones that are, uh, that are out there, but most of those guys are going to play. Uh, so I, I felt like there was there was not a whole lot of reason to uh, to include a bunch of guys who I think will start. So let's start with T.Y. Hilton. He uh, had a quad injury. He was already nursing that injury when he suited up and played in week three. He had eight receptions for 65 yards and a touchdown in that game. And he had to leave the game, I think, right before halftime uh, after aggravating the same injury. And actually, uh, one of the interesting tidbits is that on the sideline, he was uh, talking to a reporter or, or somebody overheard him, etc. Uh, or maybe it was after the game he was, he was being interviewed. And he had said that the reason that he wasn't going to play anymore is because they were afraid that he uh, was going to tear it. I tear this right off his quad. Yeah. I had heard the same thing. And I'm like, and okay. Thought, That's nuts. <laughs> Yeah, it was basically like he he went out for a second, he came back in, scored a touchdown. That's not good. And then was like, I, there's no way I'm going to be playing the second half. Yeah. And the, they said you could tear it off the bone. So he's not practicing this week. Uh, probably game time decision against the Raiders in week four. Um, because he didn't have an injury, that at least not one that has been reported uh, or, or identified by the team doctors, he has a chance to play in week four, but they might want to hold him out. So we'll see. That's definitely a, a your old traditional standard game time decision. So it might come up right into the game um, or the walkthrough. And they're playing in Indy. I assume it's a noon game. I'll check on that. Uh, not good for the Colts, obviously. But uh, look at Deion Kane and Paris Campbell. Deion Kane 0% owned and Paris Campbell 4% owned. 0%. To start getting a little more spotlight okay. if Hilton has an extended yep, absence. That's a noon game there for Indy. So that's good. Uh, you'll at least know uh, if you're paying attention if he's going to be playing the game, even if it is decided at like 1130 uh, when they announce the inactives. 1045 Central Time is when all the inactives have to be in. Unless, Whether or not you get the news then. Unless, you know, it's one of those things where he's like, I'll go try it out. And then and during the he game. He could definitely be active and then during warmups not end up playing. But, you know, you'll know, you'll know something before noon. 
exactly. And you'll be able to make a decision based on that. You know, if you're in a pinch, maybe you do start him. But, you know, in situations like this, it's usually better not to start the guy just because you don't want him to aggravate it on the second play of the game. Yeah. So uh, could you look up for me uh, what Deion Kane and uh, Paris Campbell's stats are for the year so far? I just wanted to talk a little bit about them. What's interesting about those guys is is that instead of just picking one rookie to to rotate in um, as a part of the starters, what they've done in Indianapolis is they've actually um, made it sort of a revolving door. So it's not just Paris Campbell all the time or Deion Kane all the time. They are just it's this rotunda of receivers. <laughs> so uh, Paris Campbell has five targets, five catches. 37 yards, one touchdown. Uh, he's got a couple first downs in there. Um, not great. You know, one catch, one catch, and three catches in the last three games. And then you've got Deion Kane with uh, six targets, three catches, 45 yards, zero touchdowns. So I, I think that those, uh, those in the know about those particular players, especially from college and their histories, um, I'm looking at uh, Sean Foss, who's our college expert to uh, to bring up some of that knowledge. We talked uh, a couple weeks ago about this. The Paris Campbell will probably be the guy that wins out here as the more talented so receiver. So they've been splitting snaps. Paris Campbell had 45% last week. Deion Kane had 56% last week. Exactly, but it's there's no real rhyme or reason. They just kind of don't know what what they're going to do there. Right. I think that they'll you'll see Paris Campbell getting the benefit of the doubt here, not because of the statistics or anything, but because he... Uh, was drafted as a guy to to kind of start in that position. So I think that's what we'll see. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, abdomen injury. He was already ruled out as of today. He's not ready to get back in the game yet. It's a short week, Thursday night game against the Packers. Most of the experts thought that J.J. Uh, Ortega-Whiteside. Nicely done, Dave. 4% owned, who had one catch for 10 yards, uh, would benefit from Jackson being off the field. But it turns out, actually, that Mac Hollins who is a third-year receiver. He didn't play in 2018, uh, but he was drafted in 2017, I think as a fourth-round receiver or something. I don't quite remember. Uh, 1% owned. He had four catches for 62 yards. So if you're looking for deep players... You or, know who's not catching the ball in Philly? Who's that? Nelson Aguilar. Oh, well. <laughs> Best clip of the week. That's what I should have asked you at the beginning of the show. What are you catching? Are you catching the babies? Are you going to catch the babies if they're thrown to you, Dave? I I like. Uh, or are you going to Nelson Aguilar it? I like how the past couple of weeks have just been like you got to start Aguilar, you got to start Aguilar, and actually, I mean, he's put up some points, but he can't catch the ball very well. He can't catch the ball very well. No, they need to get that guy who's catching babies to play for the, field, oh, the Eagles. <laughs> so the reason I'm I'm bringing this up is because Mac Hollins is not owned anywhere. However, he seems to be the preferred uh, guy to go to, and I don't see any reason why he won't get a similar stat line. Uh, going forward as long as Deshaun Jackson is out. And I don't think that Deshaun Jackson is going to be hurried back, and I don't think Deshaun Jackson is a very fast healer anymore. I don't think he ever was a fast healer. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Julian Edelman... He's one of them uh, hyperbaric chambers. Julian Edelman with a ribs injury coming off the field in week three. He was taken for chest x-rays into the locker room, but everything came back negative. Now, the interesting thing about that game was both Edelman and Josh Gordon were kind of on and off the field. Josh Gordon had two uh, injury things that happened, one with a hip, one with a finger. 
And yeah. he came back in the game, didn't he? Yeah, they they should both be good to go in a matchup against the Bills this week. But it's definitely a situation to monitor, especially with Edelman, because if he does have uh, like bruising on the ribs, rib contusion, etc., that can definitely be something that's set back pretty easily. Yeah, you or, don't need a um, a slot guy with bad ribs. <laughs> and so they don't last long. In the meantime, Philip Dorsett, who's fifty percent owned, is again on the radar with Antonio Brown, who's out of town. Oh, you promised me we wouldn't talk about him. So. He made the most of his playing time last week. He had six catches for 53 yards and a touchdown, rushed twice for 12 yards. Philip Dorsett is someone who should be on everybody's radar, not only for the reasons that Edelman and Gordon have uh, both had some some skating around with injuries, but, but also because there's more history there. Uh, Gordon not playing full seasons, obviously. And, sure. and Edelman also not playing full seasons due to injuries uh, based on his play on the field. So I, I don't find it a weird situation uh, in that we, we pick up Philip Dorsett. Maybe you don't play him every every game, but he could end up being the number one or number two guy on the Patriots in a couple weeks. Yeah, and you've also got Jacoby Myers who if you just Edelman – You just like Jacoby. Yeah, but if Edelman doesn't play, Myers is a slot guy. Yes. I mean, eventually uh, with the current lineup, it would be uh, Myers and um, – And Dorsett. And Dorsett. Oh, so, how the mighty have fallen. So so we'll see. <laughs> uh, and I only I, wish. I only have one tight end to touch on, so I'll do it quickly. Vance McDonald with a shoulder injury. It looked earlier this week like McDonald, who's 84% owned, may have suffered a major injury. And a lot of people were reporting because of the trade that went through when the Steelers traded for Nick Vanett uh, from the Seahawks that it was because of that injury and McDonald wouldn't play anymore this season or would be out for a couple weeks. But that's not actually what happened. So it turns out it might just be some kind of an AC joint injury, and actually all I've heard from local beat reporters and Tomlin is that he's going to play this week. Which McDonald? Is, yeah, which is good news. Uh, not, I don't know if Vanette will play or not, but the whole point is uh, Vanette was actually traded to the Steelers uh, because Xavier Grimble went to IR with a calf injury. And so they were trading for uh, depth and a big body at blocking, which Grimble did a really good job at, not to replace Vance McDonald. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, the coaches don't need to tell us why they're doing things. But a lot of times we think that we're smarter than we are. You're right, they don't. Just ask Bill Belichick. He he (laughs) refuses to tell anybody why they signed Antonio Brown or why they cut Antonio Brown. I thought you didn't want to talk about Antonio Brown. I thought that that was talking about Bill Belichick. (laughs) So... When we look at websites like uh, like Roto World or or any of these other uh, uh, NFL news or fantasy news websites, we all uh, as fantasy experts want to uh, self proclaim. Yeah, we want to have an idea about why a team did a thing. Sometimes there, there's there's not really a good reason, and the inferences that you're making are not true. Sometimes it's because coaches don't get a lot of sleep; <laughs> they make bad decisions. Well, that's that's clearly true as well. But Vance McDonald has been good and uh, and has shown some chemistry with Mason Rudolph. Uh, so especially owing to the fact that Rudolph in week three, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, for whatever reason, really didn't throw down the field at all. He was very much throwing short throws right past the line of scrimmage. And Yeah, a lot of his yards came on basically two passes that were big after the catch. And if McDonald was... Um, um, was healthier in that game, et cetera, you probably would have seen some more passes to him too. So look for him to to be healthy or at the very least not to uh, to be out for very long as he recovers from that AC joint. 
uh, injury to his shoulder. All right, so coming up in week four, we've got a few matchups that we can try to exploit for fantasy gain. Um, so the number one Suckfest of the week, uh, Suckfest is a registered trademark, by the way, ah. of the Washington Redskins, that is. Like Tom Because they can't trademark their own name because it's racist. Anyways. Moving on. <laughs> thought we weren't talking about politics. The uh, Giants and the Redskins have given up tons of fantasy points to opposing teams. So at quarterback, the Giants have given up the fourth most, Washington the fifth most. Uh, At wide receiver, the Giants have given up the most uh, points to opposing wide receivers, and Washington is number two in that category. This is great. The running back is the quote-unquote best category, where the Giants only give up the eighth most, and Washington actually only gives up the 22nd most, probably because teams are throwing on them so much. Um, they have only played one good uh, running back, though. They played Ezekiel Elliott in Week 2, and he had, like, 18 points in a standard league. So take that, you know, as you will. Um, the bye weeks have started, so you may need to fill in some um, for some guys. You know, Le'Veon Bell is going to be out. Uh, the plethora of running backs in um, in San Francisco are out. Those are the two teams that are out, right? The Jets and the 49ers, and that's it. So, you know, look for this game. Uh, see if you can plug someone in. So, on the Giants, I like Daniel Jones as a quarterback one, and so does Dave. He is ranked number eight on our rankings on drink5.com. You can check those out. He is a part of the Fantasy Pros Expert consensus rankings as well. Um, but you can look at Dave's individual rankings on our website exclusively. Uh, so, you've got Evan Ingram, who is the tight end three on your list. I totally agree with that. He's been playing great, and clearly Daniel Jones wanted to throw him the ball last week, made it a point to do that. And you got Sterling Shepard, who had a touchdown last week, the WR18, uh, and then Wayne Gallman, who we spoke about earlier. You got him as uh, our running back 23. Like I said, if you've got some bye week replacement issues going on, um, I-, I think that he's a fine uh, spot start for you in this game, and probably this game only. Uh, so for Washington, you're going to ride Scary Terry, right? WR29. Uh, that's still very much startable. And I like Chris Thompson in PPR leagues. So he's RB26 uh, because Adrian Peterson doesn't look like he has control of the backfield anymore. Chris Thompson is great again. It's fantastic. I, they're going to start using him more. That's another seems. one of those guys that people forget about because he had an off year and there was injuries. Uh, but in that year that he was doing well, I mean, he... He was a top 20 running back in PPR. Yeah, fantastic. I, I'll take it. So that game is going to be uh, painful to watch, I assume, but it will be fine for fantasy. Um, I, you know, It'll probably be a high-scoring, crappy game. So you got the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Um, last week's top scorer overall was Russell Wilson, and now he faces a team that's giving up the third most of points to opposing quarterbacks. So um, the, uh, the Cardinals have faced Kyle Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Matthew Stafford, and they all scored uh, 24 or more points. And Russell Wilson is the QB4 on your list, and he is definitely better than all those guys. So there's going to be plenty to go around for the wide receivers. Uh, you got Tyler Lockett at WR9 in standard scoring, and um, I think that 
that, that'll be good. I don't know who else on the team is going to kind of stand out. If it's going to be DK Metcalf, if it's going to be David Moore, um, I, I don't know where to go for the other guy, but I do like Will Disley. He's your tight end eight, and I, it's probably the first time he's making an appearance in the top ten this year, right, Dave? I uh, think so. Do you so. remember where you put him? Okay. Yeah, I mean, top ten for this guy is pretty respectable. He's had three touchdowns in the last two weeks. It would be last week or this week because uh, because he wouldn't have been someone who was originally making a mark, right? So um, those touchdowns in the first uh, first couple of weeks definitely catapulted him up there. Yeah, and then uh, the the general uh, terribleness of the rest of the tight ends sort of kept him up there. <laughs> <laughs> there's some good tight ends. There's some bad tight ends, and you've got George Kill out this week who has started very poorly, but Hopefully you can turn it around at some point, but that's for another show. Um, so on the other side of the ball, we have the Cardinals. Um, they've gotten respectable fantasy performances. You were just saying earlier, Kyler Murray's floor, I looked it up, is 16.84 in standard leagues. So not bad for a rookie quarterback in his first three games. So that's a decent floor. He's got a game over 20 points as well. Um, but I wouldn't go out of your way to start anyone on the Cardinals that you weren't already going to be starting, uh, if only because, you know, Fitzgerald, Johnson, uh, David Johnson, that is, are probably the only two uh, guys, the position players that are good. I don't think that Kyler Murray is in the top 10. Do you, do you remember if you put him in the top 10, Dave? I, I don't. I don't um, you know, for example, I have, I have a team where um, I, have, I have Tom Brady or Kyler Murray. I'm actually starting Kyler Murray over Tom Brady, but that's only because I don't think that Tom Brady has thrown from more than, like, one touchdown against the Buffalo Bills uh, in the past five or ten years. Oh wow! You can, well, you, you can, don't you don't you don't like those stats, but I I do like them when they're they're in division. against in the division. They're in division. So you do have Kyler Murray at seven and Tom Brady at ten. Seattle, for what it's worth, has been kind of a crappy team this year. Um, so I, I think that you know. Last week I was guaranteeing an Arizona win, and clearly that backfired on me. I, I, think, I didn't know that Kyle Allen was going to be the next coming of Daniel Jones. I think Seattle's a little soft. Um, I don't know that you should be hard against the Cardinals here, but I do know that they're not going to be very good at defense. <laughs> yes. So the the problem is they Can may, Arizona keep up. They may not win, but that doesn't matter to me. Right. Fantasy points don't care who won or lost. Exactly. They don't care if they're garbage time or real time. <laughs> points are points, and that's that. It's the beauty of fantasy. Uh, so the last matchup that we will discuss right now is Cowboys and the Saints. So I'm sensing a theme here between all these games. I think the NFC is much better than the AFC right now. Uh, of course, the two best teams in the league, uh, the Chiefs and the Super Bowl winning this year, I mean, New England Patriots, are uh, in the AFC. But anyways... Um, the Saints have given up a ton of fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. They're first overall, first overall, and wide receivers. They're th- giving up the third most points. Um, so the Cowboys are going to get a great game out of Dak Prescott, I assume, and Amari Cooper. But you were starting them already. I like uh, Jason Witten, uh, who is your Dave, your tight end eighteen. Um, he'll probably score a random ass touchdown again. That's my prediction for but that's, this week. That's the thing. He has to in order to get value. Right. But if you're... I say you know, I say he doesn't. If you're streaming tight ends, <laughs> which some of us are, then Jason Witten, you could do worse than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Randall Cobb and Devin Smith are the other two receivers who have been getting work um, with... Um, oh, I can't think of his name. Michael Gallup out. 
Uh, I believe Michael Gallup is still going to be out for another week or two at the very least. So I don't think that you're going to see Tony Pollard this week like you did last week where he got 13 carries and 100 yards. Um, most likely because there isn't going to be garbage time in this game, in my opinion. Um, it, the game is in New Orleans. I think that the Cowboys are unlikely to blow out New Orleans. They probably are going to win, but they're not going to blow them out. I think Tony Pollard is droppable. Um, uh, just along Spoilers, with like, Dave. a lot of the, he's not on my list. Oh, he's not on your list. But but because you know he had such a good game last week, doesn't really mean anything. Ezekiel Elliott needed to sort of uh, get uh, get back into the groove, and so. They, they did kind of spell him a little bit more than they would have if he had been there from the very beginning. In addition to that, like you said, it was a blowout, and a lot of people are going to chase those points, and that's a bad idea. If you're playing Miami, just because a, 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 a skill position player scores a touchdown in 100 yards, that is no indication of how they will do against any other NFL team. I concur, because you know, <laughs> they're playing NFL teams yeah. and not the Miami Dolphins. That's right. So on the other side of the ball, the Cowboys are 12th or better, uh, and giving up the fewest fantasy points to opposing teams. Meaning, um, you know, based on the previous scale, they'd be at like 22 or better, or lower, higher number. I think you folks know what I'm saying. Uh, Just look up the, uh, like if you're in Yahoo League, go to Research and Fantasy Points Against. It's a wonderful tool to kind of see, like, what you want to do when you're playing matchups. Um, So anyways, they're giving up the fewest to opposing quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. Um, They're doing well. So I would start the New Orleans studs of Michael Thomas, who you have at 9, Alvin Kamara at 4, and I wouldn't go beyond that. Uh, I don't like Teddy Bridgewater. I don't like Jared Cook. I don't like Trey... uh, Who's... Traquan Smith. Traquan Smith. I was going to say Trey Quinn. That is incorrect. That's a redskin. It is. Um, <laughs> so we're at the end of the matchups, and I'm at the end of my beer. Clearly, I'm not getting names right anymore. Um, but you know that, uh, well, you know, I, I think, Dave, I think we need to, to take something off our plates. So we'll be back in one second. Some good songs in the playlist tonight. If you guys know the theme, and that's not just the band, but the theme. Um, there is a theme. There's <laughs> something connecting them all. Let's uh, let's get that over to Jason at Drink5.com or myself, David, Drink5.com, or tweet us at Drink5 and uh, let us know what that is. So I have a, one last segment to go over, which I call Just Cut Em Already. I may, cut em. I may end up putting something like this online, but I don't know. It changes so much. Um I don't know if people would get a kick out of it or not. So, so let me know if it's something you're interested in seeing. But I like this list because I said what? What I did was, oh, well, of course. So I, I put a, a list of people that uh, were generally uh, drafted. Some of them pretty high up in drafts and haven't been performing. In fact, uh, a lot of them have been trending down quite noticeably, and they're not getting any kind of action. And so they need to be removed from your team. If at the end of the year, and, and actually screw that, not at the end of the year. If at the end of, uh, let's say. September, you still have people like this on your team, you're going to lose. Or at the very least, if you have injuries, you're not going to have anyone of value at depth on your team. Well, Monday night's game is the end of September, so let's go. (laughs) Let's go. 
So, uh, first guy on my list is uh, Naheem Hines. Of course. Uh, and so, Indianapolis Colts running back. Uh, with Andrew Luck, he did much better than he's doing right now. If we look at the um, the rushing yards, they've gone from 13 to 9 to 3. Uh, he scored no touchdowns the entire year. Uh, he did have a couple of receptions last game, but the fact that he hasn't scored any any real amount of fantasy points at all this year uh, means that you need to drop him from your team because you've given him three opportunities. Oh, the guy there that matters is Marlon Mack. That's all that they're they're playing with. They're not playing with Hines. The team is, for whatever reason, not utilizing him. So you agree, Jason, or disagree? I agree. Okay, we'll move on to Giovanni Bernard. Uh, of course, the Cincinnati Bengal. I'm very sad that he's on your list, but I concur. All-purpose uh, a running back. He's great at catching passes out of the backfield. He can actually run the offense by himself. Uh, he got the opportunity to do so uh, when Joe Mixon was injured. Do you think he'd be a better quarterback than Andy Dalton? I don't know. <laughs> but he he had uh, 21 yards in, in week one, rushing six in week two and five in week three. Um, oh, he, had, he had 42 yards receiving. We shouldn't be reading out single-digit stats here. <laughs> 42 yards receiving in week one and then seven in weeks two and three. Um, so basically he's scoring you zero points. He, again, is on a team where all of the offense uh, from the backfield is, is going through uh, Joe Mixon. So just much like Marlon Mack, when you have uh, guys where they used to work as a, as a committee and now you've just got one guy taking the full load, well, what are you going to keep him on your team for? Just so that you can play him once during a bye week and get four points? Right. I agree. What is the point of that? Dump him. Duke Johnson. Just cut him already, Dave. Duke Johnson, who... <laughs> Was, uh, was pretty highly uh, looked at after Lamar Miller went down on Houston. Uh, he rushed for 57 yards in Week 1, 31 in Week 2, and 2 in Week 3. Oh, more single-digit stat lines. His, his receptions, uh, 4 receptions for 33 in Week 1, 0 receptions in Week 2. He did have 2 receptions in Week 3. But again, uh, that's really, he only has how many points? Uh, 2.4 in a standard league. So that is bogus. That is garbage. You're getting rid of Duke Johnson because the offense is running through uh, uh, Carlos Hyde. And Carlos Hyde now is is even kind of starting to falter. But you know what? They're not going back to Duke Johnson. They're just trying to find other people because Duke Johnson will pretty much only be the guy um, in those passing down situations or if they're very far behind. And I don't even think they're using it that much. I don't think that Deshaun Watson can throw the ball short. He throws the ball deep all the time, and he's fantastic at it. He puts up mad points, and it's great. But I don't really ever see him dumping the ball off. Well, that might which be... would probably keep him from getting sacked so damn much. I mean, you can't. That's just a horrible offensive line. What can you do? I, I blame Bill O'Brien for any run some screenplays that helps out the <laughs> offensive line. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe they should involve him, but they're not involving him, so you dump him. You okay. dump him. You get somebody else. Do you agree with that? Just cut him already. All right. Latavius Murray is one of those guys who said wow to. Uh, let's look at how many yards he had in week one. I'm looking Four- at his stats. Now I'm saying wow. 43. A different kind of wow. Week two, seven. And week three, two. More single stat lines. Single number <laughs> stat lines. Two receptions in week one. One reception in week two. Zero receptions in week three. Week three, he scored .2 points. So not a guy you want on your squad. And the reason... On the year he has 82 yards. The reason for that is... No, excuse me. Is not... 72 yards. It's not because Latavius Murray is bad. It's because he doesn't have Drew Brees anymore. That actually also ruined Alvin Kamara a little bit. 
His stats are now way lower than they would be otherwise. Just cut him, Dave. <laughs> just cut Alvin Kamara. Let's just start with Latavius Murray. <laughs> okay, fine. So, we're cutting him. Do you agree with that? Yeah, he's only in on 21% of the snaps last week. That's what I'm talking about. So, now we're going to talk about Antonio Brown. Now, the reason why I think you should cut him, because a lot of people still have him on their team, they're hoping that he's going to get signed by another team. Uh, the reason why I think you should cut him is because even if he does get signed, He's only going to play for one game before something happens and he gets cut. This has already been uh, clearly uh, shown by him over and over again. And he may even be put on the, the commissioner's exempt list if he does get signed by a team. Roger Goodell has already threatened to do that in, in a letter to the NFL's uh, manager. Let me tell you something. There may or may not be a thing called karma out there. And if you still support Antonio Brown after all of this, then that karma may or may not come back to bite you in your fantasy football ass. <laughs> or, you know, it'll do something else gross on your, you know, body parts. Oh, boy. He's, he's getting pretty in-depth there. He doesn't like uh, talking about Antonio Brown, it appears. Uh, so, not anymore. So we're going to cut him, right? Can we talk about politics instead? Do, do you have Antonio Brown on... Stop bringing up politics. Do you have Antonio <laughs> Brown on any of your uh, <laughs> fantasy squads? I do not. Okay, good. So keep it that way. Now, let's talk about Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller of the Chicago Bears. Last year, he scored like seven touchdowns. He was kind of a standout receiver. However, he didn't have a whole lot of yards. He wasn't all that good. If 33 you looked, catches, seven touchdowns. He didn't. He wasn't all that good if you looked at his actual stat lines, the way that everything worked out per game. It was just the touchdowns that, that inflated artificially his fantasy value. And why was that? Because Mitchell Trubisky had an artificially inflated fantasy value, which we'll, we'll get to in a second. Because they played uh, Tampa Bay and he scored six touchdowns. Be- because they have a horrible, <laughs> like a horribly easy schedule last year, and for, for whatever reason, no one could guard against the Bears' offense. So look at Anthony Miller, uh, whose stat line is actually going up, so you'll appreciate that. Uh, it's gone from zero yards <laughs> zero. to two yards to 15 yards. Zero doesn't even count as a single-digit number, Dave. <laughs> Now, here's the deal. Anthony Miller was injured, and I live in Chicago, so I know that all, all the, the, the talk from the team is that Anthony Miller and Trey Burton, which you should also probably not own on a team, um, they, they have been injured, and they've been eased back in. So all the talk from around the town is they're going to get better, they're going to get better. But all I'm saying is they are not good. They are not performing in fantasy. <laughs> Why would you keep them on your team? So let's let's do all of ourselves a favor and get rid of the fat. Skim the fat. Cut, cut the it bears. Off. Cut it off. Cut Anthony Miller. Do you agree with that? Just cut him already. <laughs> I got to get your agreement on these. Well, you know, some of them I'm skeptical on, or I was. Okay. Well, how are you feeling about Anthony Miller? Anthony Miller? Cut him. All right. So moving on to Corey Davis. Corey Davis, of course, on the Titans, the team that's run by Mariota, who can't throw a football. Um A.J. Brown is a really good receiver. He can't catch the ball because because Mariota can't throw it. And it's the same thing with Corey Davis, except that Corey Davis isn't as good of a receiver. So when we look at his stats, he had three receptions in Week 2 and Week 3 after zero receptions in Week 1 uh, with uh, only a total of, of 80-some yards. He has six catches on the year. And no touchdowns. On pace for like 32 for the season. 32 and no touchdowns, Corey Davis. Yes. Cut him, right? Cut him. Get rid Don't of him. Don't know why he's on your team in the first place. <laughs> well, let's talk Explain about... Explain yourself. Let's talk about a guy like Jarvis Landry, for example. Now, he would definitely have been on your team. 
<laughs> I mean, not yours specifically, Dave, but the Royal U. So Jarvis Landry getting a lot of targets. Seven targets in the first two games, nine targets in the third game, but only four receptions week one, three receptions week two, and three receptions week three. Um, more yards, sure, no touchdowns. The, the problem with this is if you have a, a Jarvis Landry on your team, you're only going to be averaging like seven points per game. And, if you're lucky. and that's with PPR. So I don't understand why anyone would still continue to have him. It is clear to me that on the Browns, the only person that they throw the ball to is Odell Beckham Jr., who is able to catch it and score points. Baker well, they Mayfield, throw it to Jarvis. It's just not working out. Baker Mayfield is the problem. He is not able to connect to his receivers, and so their their uh, catch rate is horrible. Yeah, Jarvis has an abysmal catch rate this year, forty three point five percent. However, in his defense, you know, fantasy speaking, he's in on every play, one hundred ninety nine ninety nine percent of the snaps. So he's he's in there, and that's as I explained earlier about like uh, Dawson Knox, that you know that is. A, a big battle. Now we're talking about a guy who you drafted rather than a guy who you may pick up off the waiver wire. Yeah, you have to look at trends as far as, and we'll talk about Baker Mayfield later. But you you have to talk about these guys as in, uh, are they going to score you points? Can you put them into your starting lineup, or is there no point because they're just going to tread water for the rest of the season? So the only reason I would want to hold on to Jarvis is because if Odell goes down, Jarvis is going to get twice as many targets. And he will be more useful. Well, then you would hold on to Giovanni Bernard as well because you're talking now about... No, I don't see... I think Jarvis is instantly like a WR2 or 3. You're talking about handcuffs now. So, sure, you can handcuff someone if you want to. He's one of the best handcuff options. Okay. Uh, So, I'm going to cut him. Jared Cook. Uh, Jared Cook was uh, coming into this season, uh, again, supposed to be one of those amazing tight end discoveries... Uh, well, not discovered. That guy like four times from the Raiders. I mean, on the Saints because they've been looking for someone uh, to replace that Jimmy Graham role. But again, because Drew Brees is not here, and we're stuck with mediocrity and, and things that don't even make sense, and they haven't even decided what they're going to do on the offense. Are you calling Teddy Bridgewater mediocre? He's horrible. It's <laughs> uh, a compliment for him. The his his uh, his yardage went from thirty seven uh, in week one to twenty five to seven zero touchdowns. So, Jared Cook is now off your fantasy radar, okay? Wipe him off your radar. Do you agree with that, Jay? I hope he was only on your radar and not actually on your team. Well, again, he was being drafted as like the number six, number five tight end. Some people were into him. I mean, it's okay to be into really bad players in the preseason because nobody knows what the hell is going to happen. He could have been good if he had an actual good quarterback throwing the ball. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Jared Cook was amazing on the Raiders. Jimmy Graham, uh, it, it looked like he, he might be something that first game. Uh, last year when the Packers picked him up, uh, he, he did well until he got injured. Uh, the first game I actually saw in, in Vegas, and Graham had that uh, big touchdown in it. Um, the only touchdown of the game. So, uh, and that's basically the only thing he's done all year. Yeah, so he's had two other targets, but uh, zero yards, zero touchdowns. And um, he is now starting to get injured again. So Graham, as much as I loved him in the past... Uh, you have to let go. You have to cut him. You got to cut him. Do you agree? Oh, just cut him already. <laughs> so so far, the only guy you want is Jarvis Landry on the Browns. Well, I mean, you're giving me a list of players that should be cut. I'm not going to keep many of them. Let's talk about a couple quarterbacks. So Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins uh, has well, been good in the past. He has even had uh, some okay games 
um, towards the end of last year, etc. Uh, I think he was uh, one of the more highly rated quarterbacks overall if you look at fantasy points in 2018. But for whatever reason, in 2019, uh, the, the Vikings have decided that all they want to do is run the ball with Dalvin Cook, and that's just going to be it. And Stefan Diggs is now even requesting a trade, which is kind of crazy. Have you heard that news? Um, well, he's not really getting much work at all. I don't necessarily blame him. He is a great talent <laughs> with a bad quarterback. So I don't know if he's a bad quarterback. The the Vikings aren't calling passing. They're plays. not interested in throwing the ball. Not at all. So like the uh, running game is working finally there, and they're gonna do it until it you know until they break down. Yeah. So he's basically averaging 140 yards and a touchdown every game. He's had two interceptions. It'd be great for a wide receiver. That means he has no points. So what's the answer with Kirk Cousins? Just cut him already. That's that's right. Uh, now let's talk about Mitch Trubisky. So we're both in the Chicago area. Uh, we got a lot of flack about calling Mitch Trubisky a not good quarterback last year because he was putting up all the fantasy points. He still wasn't a good quarterback, but he was doing really well in fantasy. There's nothing I can do or say that, that makes that incorrect. However, <laughs> this year he's only put up three touchdowns. That was all in one game, and that was all to one receiver, and that was against Washington. So, and mostly it was because of turnovers. Yeah, and, and so he's had two interceptions, three touchdowns, um, and again, he, he, he's had uh, yardage that averages uh, somewhere around 180 per game. So he's doing really horribly. Now, if you think that he's going to get better, I could see maybe uh, holding on to him, but there is no reason outside of a super flex league that you would ever want to play Trubisky again unless he starts putting up games back-to-back with three touchdowns. He is regressed from last season. And in the third year of a player, that is a huge red flag. And I think that the Bears need to, uh, like, they're obviously going to ride him out this year, but they need to think long and hard about uh, who their next quarterback is going to be because I don't think that Mitchell Trubisky is in it for the long haul anymore. As long as uh, as their coach uh, is and the GM are the same, they're, they're not going to get rid of Trubisky. So Mr. Biscuit, as he's nicknamed, is not going to, be around much longer just cut them already but yeah we can make good decisions as fantasy owners because we don't have to deal with the red tape so just cut the guy um cam newton we can i make bad decisions too because we don't have to deal with red tape if you don't want to win the trophy make bad decisions <laughs> keep these guys on your team and, and hope that maybe eventually they'll do better yeah if someone does badly on your team three weeks in a row cut them what is the point of keeping them right i mean we all think to ourselves maybe he'll do better there's always players on my team. Like there's always potential, whatever. But just cut them. Very rarely comes around. Find someone else. So I'm all in favor of cutting this next guy. Well, Cam Newton, like I said earlier, uh, even though he was performing bad, there was uh, the possibility that he could he could come back up. But I think with what's been revealed about his foot injury, maybe being a Liz Frank injury, etc., that's going to be a season-ending injury. It hasn't been announced yet. They're being very quiet about it. I would not be surprised if if this next week someone just comes out from the organization and says, we're putting him in IR. I agree. He hasn't thrown a touchdown in his last four regular season games. Yeah. That's terrible. So cut him already. Just cut Cam Newton. I, in a That's league, Trubisky-esque. I was able to grab Kyle Allen in one league and cut Cam Newton, and I had no qualms about that, sir. None at all. <laughs> um, well, that's a two-quarterback league, I assume. Um, yes. And that is a great move in a two-quarterback league. In, indeed. Let's talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, again, had a whole bunch of, uh, of, of uh, turnovers, fanfare around him. Coming back in after last year when he was going to be so good and then he was injured. Oh, man. And he comes back in and he'll be so good. Uh, well, he has uh, a lot of turnovers. He's Matt Flynn-esque. A lot of fumbles. 
Um, or, no, who was the other guy uh, out of the um, New England friend, uh, New England, that, who wound up starting? You know who I'm talking about, right? Uh, yeah, but I don't remember the name. Okay, I'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, he has low completion percentages at 66, 68, and 71%. Uh, he has thrown for a good amount of yards in weeks two and three, um, but he has only put up four touchdowns, uh, or sorry, five touchdowns, and, and has the uh, uh, four interceptions, and I believe two fumbles. Matt Castle is who I'm thinking of. Yes, Castle, who is, uh, who is always... Uh, who got himself a contract somewhere else as a starter. He was always just not quite good enough as and a it was Yeah, player. it's like Bill Belichick can just send these guys out, and he's like, oh, they're wonderful. It's a Jedi mind trick on these other coaches. So even though uh, he is probably the best of the bad quarterbacks that we've touched on so far, he is still not playable in a, in a one-quarterback league, and you have no business playing him. I agree. He's 3-0, and which is great for the NFL, but he has four interceptions. So, you know, he's got to clean that <coughs> shit up. And the last guy I have on my list is Baker Mayfield. And everybody loves Baker Mayfield, I think, except for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, Baker Mayfield is a big mouth. I'm sure that plenty of people don't like him anymore. So uh, when, when we look at this, the first game, of course, you, you remember, we were I think we were watching uh, football together or talking about uh, the football game. And they were playing Tennessee where he had 65% completion rate and one touchdown, three interceptions. Yeah, it looked bad. And they, they looked pretty bad. He got beat by 30. I mean, it was, it was awful. The second game, they played the Jets, and he looked a little bit better, but he had a worse uh, completion rate, 54.3. He threw for a lot of yards, but he had only one touchdown and one interception. And in general, uh, the team barely uh, did what they should have done against the Jets, which is kind of ridiculous. Right. Uh, then they just played the Rams. He had a 50% completion rate, so he's been going down, down, and down. He only threw for 100, a trend. 195 yards, which is the worst that he's thrown in quite a while, and he had one touchdown, one interception, which brings his touchdown-to-interception rate over the first three games to 3-5. to five. Oh. Baker Mayfield has Odell Beckham Jr. That's upside down. Part of the it's reason like being underwater on a mortgage. Part of the reason why his uh, his stats look better in week two is because he threw like a seventy five yard touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr. Eighty nine yard touchdown. If you take that away, leads the league at the moment. So you take that away. Horrible game. Horrible year. Explain to me why anyone should continue to play Baker Mayfield in a single quarterback league. If you have Baker Mayfield, you are now streaming quarterbacks. Cut Baker Mayfield. And, you know, I don't know why you would keep him in against Baltimore, you know. So stream someone else. Start someone else other than Baker Mayfield, in my book. Um, maybe you keep him Why around. would you keep him? Why would you? He's been horrible. Well, I think it's a waste of a roster spot if you're streaming quarterbacks to keep uh, the second one on your bench. You've, yes, you've come to the right conclusion, which is? Just cut him already. Just cut that guy. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. Fine. Maybe next uh, next week, if we do this again, I'll try to find guys that are even more controversial. But I'll tell you, uh, saying cut uh, cut Jarvis Landry, cut Baker Mayfield, uh, maybe that's just bothering you because they're both Cleveland Browns. But the Browns' only good players are Odell Beckham Jr. and Nick Chubb. That's true. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's all I have. So some closing notes from you, perhaps. Uh, we can wrap up the, the show and wish all these, uh, uh, these guys and gals No, hey, I just luck. look forward to watching football this week. That sounds good to me, too. You know, I don't think that anyone's going to get married this week, so I think I'm okay. I'll watch football. I'll be at a wedding. (laughs) (laughs) 
but that's all I do. Football or weddings. It's, it's, it's how we started the show. It's how Sundays we Sundays work. Yeah.